Welcome to the Thinking Leader podcast, sponsored by Red Team Thinking. Bad leaders react, good leaders plan, and great leaders think. Each week, we bring you new ideas and insights from business leaders, military leaders, and thought leaders. Ideas and insights that will help you think more deeply and lead more effectively, so that you can better navigate your complex world. Here again are your hosts, best-selling business author and top-rated leadership speaker Bryce Hoffman, and former Royal Air Force Wing Commander and Business Agility Coach Marcus Dimbleby. Hello, this is Bryce Hoffman, President of Red Team Thinking, author of the book Red Teaming, and host of the Thinking Leader podcast. I am joined today by my good friend and business partner, Marcus Dimbleby. Thank you, Bryce. It is awesome to be joining you today. And I am indeed Marcus Dimbleby coming to you from London, UK. And I am super excited for what we've got in store coming your way. I am so excited too, because folks, it has been a minute. Those of you who are regular listeners to the Thinking Leader podcast know that we released our last episode at the end of 2021. In that episode, Marcus turned the tables and interviewed me And we really enjoyed that conversation. I know a lot of you did too, based on the feedback we got. So we decided to reboot the Thinking Leader Podcast. This is now Thinking Leader Podcast 2.0, but it is also Red Team TV. That's right. If you're listening to this right now, you can also find us on YouTube doing this on video. So two different formats, same great content. And what great content do we have in store, Marcus? Great content indeed, Bryce. I am super excited about the list of guests we've got coming forward. I think the format that we've got is going to be really exciting. And instead of the podcast where we had that on a bi-weekly, if not longer basis, the difference with this with Red Team TV is we're going to be coming out on a weekly basis. That's got to be a good thing. It is going to be a good thing, Marcus, because this new format is going to allow us to change things up. We're going to continue to have those amazing conversations with world-class leaders that have been the hallmark of the Thinking Leader podcast. But we're going to alternate. Every other week, Marcus, you and I are going to share our ideas, our insights, our experiences with people that we have from working with organizations all over the world, giving our listeners actionable, practical insights that they can start using right away, that you can start using right away to make better decisions faster in your complex world, to be a more effective leader, to be a thinking leader, which is what this is all about. But I want to come back to the guest because we have so many amazing guests who have signed up for the weeks and months ahead. It starts, of course, with business leaders, which is where we started, working with business leaders around the world. And we are going to have some of these amazing business leaders from world-class corporations, world-class companies coming on sharing their experiences, sharing their knowledge, sharing what they've learned works, what they've learned that doesn't work, and giving you some amazing insights that you can use to become a better leader as well. But we're not stopping with business leaders, are we, Marcus? You're right, Bryce. We're also going to be having military leaders, not just from the US and the UK, but also from around the world. Military leaders who are going to bring in live to us their experience in the art and the science of leadership that you can take away and start using the very next day. So cool. But we're also going to have thought leaders, cognitive scientists, experts on not just leadership, but on culture, 
on business transformation, on organizational change, on navigating complexity, academics, authors, people who have just really powerful ideas that they're going to share with us and with you. Finally, one more group of guests that I am really excited about, and I know you are too, Marcus. I am so excited about this group, Bryce. You know this for sure. This is where we hear about the stories from the coalface. We've got frontline practitioners joining us to share what's going on where they work and how they're using these tools, techniques that help them be better leaders, help them enable their people to lead, to learn, and take forward their organizations in this volatile and complex world that we're operating in. I can't wait to hear what these people have got to say. I've spoke to a few of them already, and they've got some great things to share, and it's going to be amazing. They really do. And we've got some great things to share too, right, Marcus? I mean, that's why we've Absolutely. changed this format is, is to give us an opportunity to share with you some of the things that we've learned as well. So we're going to be talking about how to engage critical thinking. We're going to be talking about how to enable distributed decision-making. We're going to be talking about how to encourage diversity of thought in your organization. These are powerful things. These are powerful things that will help you make, craft a better culture, gain clarity, and develop the capability that you need to navigate this VUCA world. Remember VUCA, V-U-C-A-H is how we spell it. Volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity, and hyperconnectivity. And the only way you can deal with that is to use your head, to think your way through it, which is why we start with engaging critical thinking. And we have so many ideas. I mean, this is what we do day in and day out is help people learn how to engage critical thinking, right, Marcus? 100%. I, I feel so privileged to do what we do. And as you said, you know, we've got these great leaders coming on sharing, but we've got lots to share. This privileged position we're in means that we get so much, I call it outsider insight. We get to go into work with these organizations and not only see what they're dealing with, but help them to, as you said, start to engage critical thinking, but also learn from them the things that we see and surface when we're working with our clients. It just blows my mind. Uh, and I just absolutely feel overwhelmed by the opportunities that we have to learn. And this is what it's all about. It's about learning so we can take these capabilities forward. And as you said, Bryce, if you have those three C's, clarity, capability, and culture, if you as a leader can enable those things in your organization, that's all you need. And I think learning from these individuals that we have the opportunity to work with day in, day out, the guests that you're going to have on, and the top tips that Bryce and I are going to bring you every alternate week. I think we're going to have a real great package to bring to both the audio and the video opportunities that Red Team TV is going to create going forward. And the Thinking Leader podcast. Let's not forget that. So one of the cool things that Bryce and I thought would be great to bring to the show when we're talking is choosing one cognitive bias or heuristic each week and discussing with you how that affects your decision making. And how to overcome it too. And how to overcome it too. That's the important part. But what is a cognitive bias and heuristic price? Well, a cognitive bias is is anything that skews our thinking, that's kind of hardwired into our brain, that skews our thinking in ways that we're usually not aware of. And so a lot of our work is, is about understanding what these biases are 
and how to overcome them, how we can counteract them so that we can make decisions that aren't skewed by these unconscious biases. Heuristics is really just a fancy word for a mental shortcut. And our brains take a lot of mental shortcuts. If you read the excellent books that have been written on this topic by Dr. Daniel Kahneman, who I had the great fortune of working with when I was writing my book, Red Teaming, you'll see that one of the things that he and his colleague Amos Tversky and other cognitive scientists have discovered is that our brains are lazy and that all of us, no matter how smart we are, no matter how well-educated we are, no matter how successful we are, no matter how experienced we are, we all fall victim to this dizzying array of mental blind spots, of, of cognitive biases every day in all the decisions that, that we take. And we're usually not aware of it. So that's why we thought it would be a great idea to pick one of these each time we're together and drill down into it, understand what it is, how it affects our decision-making and what we can do to make better decisions in spite of it. Right. Absolutely. And I love the references to Kahneman. That, that man's a genius when it comes to this. And I think one of his favorite sort of quotes from him that I always remember is that our brains are machines for jumping to conclusions. So let's start unpacking cognitive bias. Which one shall we choose to talk about this week? What do you think, Bryce? Well, given everything that's going on in the world right now, Marcus, that's an easy one. I think we should talk about normalcy bias. I knew you'd pick that one. Highly relevant right now and very appropriate. Right. So normalcy bias refers to our tendency when confronted with a crisis, when confronted with an emergency, to underestimate the severity of the situation, to fail to see, to grasp just how bad things could get, to be unable to comprehend the far-reaching consequences of what we're dealing with right now. And it's normalcy bias that leads people, that leads government leaders, business leaders, military leaders, to fail to act decisively, to fail to act as aggressively as they need to, to deal with the emergency, to deal with the crisis they're coping with. So it's a really dangerous bias. And scientists like Daniel Kahneman, Amos Tversky, and others have done a lot of research, a lot of studies into this. And one of the things they found, and this is really troubling, is that this is one of the biases they've actually been able to quantify. And they've been able to determine that about 70% of people in any given crisis, will fail to grasp just how bad it is, will fail to see just how serious the situation is, and will therefore be unable to take the actions necessary to protect themselves, to protect their organization, and indeed to protect societies, if they're government leaders, from the crisis at hand. So we see this happening all the time. Right, Bryce. I mean, the present pandemic has been a huge example of this. We've seen since we were in London back in 2020, you know, almost the disbelief of people on a global scale that this can't be happening. And when you see that, we see people putting their heads in the sand. They don't prepare for what clearly came down range. And then when it happens, people are suddenly taken aback by this. They're surprised. And I find that fascinating because all the signposts were there and we saw them all. And if I recall, you even wrote a Forbes article about this back in February 2020. Is that right? Yeah, I did. I Back in 2020, I wrote a piece for Forbes 
saying, hey, if you are a business and you think that this this pandemic wasn't even called a pandemic yet. When I wrote the piece, I just looked back at this. When I wrote the piece, there had not yet even been a recorded death in the United States. The WHO was still weeks away from declaring this a pandemic. But I said, if you are a business leader, you need to right now be getting serious with your team about this outbreak, I think is what I called it at the time. And understand that this is going to have significant, far-reaching, and long-lasting consequences for your business. And you need to start thinking right now about what you are going to do to navigate through this, to cope with this, to not let this disrupt and derail your business. And I wrote this not because I had a crystal ball or I had any special insights. I'm certainly not an epidemiologist and I'm certainly not psychic. I wrote this because... As a, as a red team thinker, as someone who uses red team thinking tools every day, when a crisis emerges, one of the first things I do for my own business, for our own business, is say, right, what's the worst that could happen? But not just what's the worst that could, could happen, but to say in a calm and, and kind of structured way, what is the worst case scenario that could come out of this event for us? What are the steps that would lead to that? And it helps me understand how this could evolve, what this could do to our company, what this could do to our operations, and what steps we need to start taking right now to deal with it. So I had that thought about our business. You and I talked about it at the time. I wrote a piece for Forbes encouraging other businesses to have that conversation. And by the way, I, I, I posted a post, as you know, Marcus, on LinkedIn on the two-year anniversary of that in February of 2022. And got a lot of questions from people saying, wow, that was amazing. What do you think is going to happen now? So in response to those questions, I wrote another piece for Forbes in March of 2022, where I talked about what I do think is going to happen now. And what I think is going to happen now is that we're going to see similarly far-reaching, serious, long-term consequences from the war in Ukraine. We're going to see those compound the disruption that still exists from COVID-19. Because remember, folks, and this gets to normalcy bias, the pandemic is not over. You look around, you look in London, you look in even San Francisco, where I live, which was, was one of the more conservative cities in terms of maintaining COVID restrictions, even here now, they've all been lifted and people are acting like it's over. We can just move on with our lives. But the virus has not been wiped out. Huge percentage of the world's population is not vaccinated. It's going to continue to mutate. And there's just as high odds that the next mutation will be even more deadly and even more virulent than any we've seen so far as there is that the next mutation will be less serious and will lead us out of the pandemic. But on top of the pandemic, we're now dealing with millions of refugees coming into Europe, straining the already stressed infrastructures of the European countries that are are thankfully accepting them. We are dealing with global disruption to oil, to grains, to other key materials that fuel the global economy. And that is going to have implications for every business in the world is going to be touched by this. Even if they don't rely on oil, natural gas, or wheat directly, they're going to feel the impacts of that. Because for one thing, consumers are going to feel the impacts of that. 
So when it costs more for people to fill up their cars, when it costs more for people to heat their homes, when it costs more for people to buy a loaf of bread, that is going to limit their ability to buy other goods and services. So every business is going to be impacted by that. Plus, you've got additional supply chain and logistic problems. There are hundreds of ships right now locked in the Black Sea. They can't get out because of the conflict. And those ships are not available to move goods and products around the world. Then you've got the financial fallout of the sanctions on Russia. And all of this is happening before we even begin discussing the potential for this turning into World War III. So without being alarmist, because that's not what we're trying to do here, we're just trying to look and say, look at folks, these things are going to impact you directly or indirectly. And if you don't take a pause and look at how serious the situation is, how serious it is likely to get, you're going to get blindsided by events. And that's what happened to a lot of companies over the past two years. That's going to happen to more companies right now because the level of danger, the level of threat has just been turned up massively by what's going on in Ukraine. And normalcy bias inhibits people from seeing that, from seeing the danger and from responding to it effectively. Absolutely. Wow. You know, as you said, there's no fear mongering there. This is taking that reality pill. This is saying, look outside, see what's going on, taking all this information. And there's a lots of information that's often a problem for people, but taking all these feeds that we're receiving and start to do some analysis, start to apply that critical thinking, engage it that we talked about. Don't let bias stop you from doing that. Because as you talked about there, this is VUCA at a geopolitical global scale. This is what we're seeing is in this hyperconnectivity. I'm saying it's almost like it's huge domino rally that it's all connected and it just takes one domino to go down at a different part of the world that you would not even consider. But before you know it, it's at your doorstep. And we're already seeing that now gas prices are rocketing. Heating our homes now is doubling in the UK and I'm sure it is across the world elsewhere. But if people aren't aware or they're allowing these buyers to stop them preparing, and this goes back to one of our core things we talk about, having plans with optionality. Yeah, we're not saying you have to go and do this or that, but it's just saying, what if? Are you prepared if that thing you expect to happen changes and comes at you from a different angle? Are you ready to deflect, to support, to duck and dive, to avoid it? Or are you going to get T-boned by this massive thing coming at you that you've totally been blindsided by? Because we know when that happens, the impact can be catastrophic and often fatal for individuals and businesses. Right. The first thing you have to do is understand, is to take a deep breath and understand what the situation is and what it is likely to become. So the way that we tell people to do that often is to use a tool called pre-mortem analysis that was developed by our good friend, Dr. Gary Klein, who is a guest on the Thinking Leader podcast. We'll have him back on now that it's Red Team TV, so you can all see Gary as well as hear from him. And this tool is, is so easy to use and it's so powerful. And I won't go into all the details, but at the most basic level, it's simply stopping and saying, right, let's look into a, a crystal ball here and let's let's try to see where we're going to be as an organization a year from now given the situation that we now that now confronts us what is where are we going to be a year from now and let's 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 turn the volume on on the crystal ball up to 11 so that we're not just looking at a real you know 
inconvenience, but a major, let's try to imagine how bad things could really get. Absolute catastrophe. So we're seeing that. We're going, wow, that really looks horrible. But what are we going to do about it? Well, we're going to work backwards. We're going to say, what are the things that led to that catastrophic outcome? And then we're going to say, what are the things that we could do right now to mitigate those, to prevent those from happening or to mitigate them, to mitigate their impact if they do happen? And that's why what you talked about, Marcus, creating plans with optionality is so important. And there's a lot of different tools that you can use to that, but just recognizing that here are the things that could happen and here is what we're going to do to try to prevent those things from negatively impacting us. And if we can't prevent that entirely, here's how we're going to modify what we're doing to deal with that negative impact. And that is what the smartest, the most successful companies in the world do. That's why they're smart and successful. I have a friend who's a board member for one of the the largest companies in the world. I'm not going to name the company, but it's a company that everybody in the world is intimately familiar with. And one of the things that he told me back in the spring of 2020, when COVID first became a pandemic, I, I was having a conversation with him and I said, what are you guys, how are you guys uh, planning on dealing with COVID? What is your, what is your contingency plans? And he said, you know what, Bryce? He said, we're, we're beyond that now. We're beyond looking at the impact of COVID. What we're already looking at is the crisis that comes after this, the crisis that comes after that, and the crisis that comes after that. Because it's what you said, Marcus, about toppling the dominoes. He said, the pandemic is already here. And again, this is, this is, this is how real leaders are able to navigate these situations. He, he told me this in spring of 2020. He said, Bryce, if we snapped our fingers right now and COVID-19 magically disappeared. I don't mean we find a vaccine. I mean, it's just gone. The dominoes that it has already begun to topple are going to continue to fall. There's nothing that can be done to pull them back up. They're falling and they're going to topple other dominoes. And that's going to lead to a series of crises that's going to impact our operations worldwide. So we are dealing with COVID, but we're at the same time, we've moved beyond that. And we're dealing with the impact of these second, third, fourth order effects. That's, you know, people talk about playing chess and looking three moves in advance. That's what real leadership is, is, is understanding how to navigate not just the present crisis, but the second, third, and fourth order effects of the crisis. And you can't do that if you're sitting there thinking, ah, this too shall pass. We'll, we'll, just, we'll just get through this and we'll see what happens. Yeah. No, in the world that we're operating in today, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. And I've just, while you've been talking, I was thinking, you know, we don't help ourselves in business. We almost create normalcy bias with the risk management system. Because when you were talking about what pre-mortem was then and how Gary describes it, in risk management, what do we do? We say, what could go wrong? And because it's normally a positive aspect, we go, well, not much could go wrong. If we considered this, we've got mitigation in place. But when you take the pre-mortem approach, you know, this has been a disaster. And then you work backwards from, you know, with your back to the flames. That's a whole different mindset. It's a whole different way of looking at a problem. And it surfaces way more things than you would by just asking what could go wrong. Because you don't want anything to go wrong. Therefore, you don't surface those things. And that's normalcy bias kicking in. It's the tool of risk management almost preventing you seeing what could happen. And I love that, that story you talk about with the client where these dominoes are are roll, toppling, they're going, you know, and you can put your hand in between them, but you can't stop them all. The, the cat's out the bag, literally, and these things are going 
globally at a high speed, hyper connected, you know, event. And we now have to have mechanisms. We have to have skills and capabilities that allow us to intervene effectively. Because if we don't, we can see what happens to some of these companies. And as you say, most organizations die from self-inflicted wounds because they're not having this foresight. I was working with a client this week and they called it future-proofing. They said, Marcus, these tools are great. We find that they allow us to future-proof our organization. I thought it was just a great phrase to say, A, we're looking in the future and B, we can see all these problems and therefore we need to future-proof ourselves, which I think is a real sign of quality leadership and understanding of the environment that we're now stepping into or more that's coming at us at a rapid rate on a daily basis. And the only way you can future-proof yourself is to is to overcome normalcy bias. Because unless you're willing to to have those hard discussions, to take a hard look at your situation, you're always going to put your worst-case scenario flag short of where the actual worst-case scenario is ultimately going to be. I just think back, Marcus, do you remember back in March of 2020, you and I were at Canary Wharf. We were uh, on on the top of what was it? Where were we? Level thirty nine. Level thirty nine, and we were looking out at all of the the towers around us and all the big names on them. And I'll I'll never forget this. You said, "You know what's going on right now? In each of those buildings, folks are are pulling out this dusty black binder that says business continuity plan." And they're desperately thumbing through it for the tab that says global pandemic. And they're not finding it. And, and, and that's that's the reality. And, you know, that's why you can't just rely on, you know, things you've done in the past. One of the things that we like to talk about is that decision making needs to be a practice, not a process. Well, contingency planning should be a practice, not a process as well, because that's that's critical to decision-making. And so if you think you can just do a scenario planning exercise every other year and update your, your plans, you're going to get caught with your pants down every time. You need to be, as a leader, and this is true of big corporations, it's also true of, of, of mom and pop companies. You need to constantly be scanning the horizon for the risks to your organization, the risk to your, your, your company, and figuring out what you're going to do to not just mitigate those risks, but to, to steer clear of them if you can. And if you can't steer clear of them, to have options on how to deal with them. And that's so critical. And again, you can only do that if you, if you get over the normalcy bias and recognize that we live in a very complex and rapidly changing world that brings with it every day new threats, but also new opportunities. And I think that's really key because we've talked a lot about risk today, but it's not just about navigating risk. It's not just about overcoming threats. It's also recognizing that each of these new developments brings opportunities with it, right, Marcus? 100%. And this is the problem, isn't it? When you're so heads down, blinkers on fearful of the threats and looking for those threats, you miss that absolute golden opportunity that floats right by you because you're so heads down in the dark space that you don't have your heads up horizon scanning for those opportunities. And I think organizations that 
are doing that. We see them thriving. We see in, how come they've done so well during the pandemic? Because they looked at the different opportunities that were surfacing around them where everything else was falling down. And they had that ability. You talked about it, iterative decision-making. They weren't so fixed in the decisions they'd made. They were willing to go, do you know what? That decision we made last week, wrong today. It may have been right last week, but today it's wrong. And do you know what? That's okay. We can iterate on what we're seeing. The sensors that are feeding us information now that are showing things have changed allow us to adapt. We've got plans with optionality. Our people are able to respond and pivot. And by devolving that decision-making responsibility down to where those decisions can be made the fastest, you're going to be able to adapt the quickest. And that's how you get ahead of your competitors. It's how you get ahead of the threats. And once you do that, you see those opportunities at the surface. And if you don't do that, surviving is no longer just an option. You have to be able to adapt and thrive to carry on in this VUCA world that we're facing into. That's so true. And, and one of my favorite pieces of advice from my mentor, Alan Mulally, is never miss the opportunity of a crisis. Think about that. Never miss the opportunity of a crisis. Now, that's very counterintuitive because most people see crises as nothing but threat. So if you look at what Mulally did when he was president of Boeing Commercial Airlines in 2001, here was an existential threat to Boeing. Their order book was almost wiped out overnight after the terrorist attacks because airlines around the world canceled their orders for new jets or at least suspended them. And Alan gathered his team together and said, right, what do we need to do to deal with the present crisis? But the other thing that he said is, what opportunity does this create for us? And it didn't take them long to realize the opportunity it created was to restructure the company and make it leaner and more competitive because Boeing had been saddled by these old contracts that had been negotiated in better times. It had too many workers. It had uncompetitive labor agreements. And Alan went to the unions and said, folks, we're on the verge of going out of business here. And if you aren't willing to reopen these contracts and negotiate new terms with us, we're going to go out of business and all of your members are going to lose their jobs. And so he was able to do what none of his predecessors had been able to do, which was to right-size Boeing and make it a lean, competitive company again. He's only able to do that because he looked for the opportunity in the crisis. Great insight. And again, the, the crisis of the pandemic, we've seen some organizations, especially with this working from home, You know, the, so many organizations just assume that as soon as COVID lifts, everyone's going to return back to normal. But as you said earlier, things have now changed forever. And that previous life that everybody thought was happening in our big central workspaces isn't going to go back to that because people's perspectives change. People's demands now change. And those organizations that just doggedly leapt forward and thought, right, everyone's going to return back to work full time. We're seeing that trigger in the great resignation. We're seeing people not accepting that. I'd rather leave and go work somewhere else. And we're seeing companies almost scouring the internet and LinkedIn for people who are saying, hey, I want to look for another job. We'll come and work for us. We're not as dogged in our approach. And we're happy to let people work where they want because we understand now this is about flexibility. It's about giving people optionality as well as having optionality ourselves. And I think those organizations who saw those as opportunities and actually embraced them rather than having their heads down during COVID and returning back to normal, there is no normal anymore. As we said, VUCA is the new normal and all of these things have to be considered. And if you're the one considering them, you're the one who's going to be leaning forward and making the advantages you know, come your way rather than be the blockers that we see 
so many of the organizations facing into, which is just a shame really, because it's quite easy to do. You've just got to take that normalcy bias lens off of everything you're looking at, sadly. Wow, there's so much here and there are so many so many places we could take this conversation, but I am mindful of the time. This is just an example, though, of I think what we're going to be able to share with folks every week, either us sharing our ideas and insights or even better, having these amazing guests share their ideas and insights so that we can learn from them and you, our listeners, our viewers can learn from them as well. Marcus, it's been a great conversation. We covered a lot of ground today. We sure did. And it goes back to what we initially kicked off with, you know, talking about engaging critical thinking, enabling distributed decision-making, and encouraging diversity of thought. We talked about those three Cs, didn't we? Clarity, capability, and culture. And all of that through the art and science of leadership, through the art and science of understanding and thinking differently. And, you know, we've started to touch on that a lot today. There's going to be lots more coming down range. We're going to hit those bias and heuristics every week. And I think it's just going to be a wealth of knowledge, education, and fun. And I can't wait to get the guests on. I really can't. It's going to be fabulous. I can't wait either. We've got some fabulous guests coming up. And I also can't wait to get back on with you, Marcus, because I want to dig deeper into those three Cs. Those are some powerful concepts. And I'd like to unpack those a little bit more for our listeners, for our viewers. So folks, this is what you can expect from Red Team TV, from The Thinking Leader 2.0. Check out our next episode where you will have our first surprise guest. Not going to tell you who it is, but it's going to be worth tuning in to for sure. See you then. Thank you for listening to The Thinking Leader podcast, sponsored by Red Team Thinking. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss the next idea-filled episode. Also, check out Bryce and Marcus's YouTube channel, Red Team TV. There you'll find video of today's podcast as well as previous episodes. And don't forget to visit redteamthinking.com to learn more about Red Team Thinking work and Marcus and Bryce's upcoming online courses. While you're there, take our free quiz to find out how you rate as a Red Team Thinker. And if your organization has a red team culture, because who thinks wins? <laughs>